Welcome back to The Sex is Great. It's the dating that's got us questioning everything. Good God, let me turn that off. Okay, before I get into today's, to today's drop, I have to tell you all, and this is, I'm not being sarcastic. This is not hyperbole. This is l- legitimate. <laughs> you have to listen to me. This list of dating questions that we compiled, the ones that you're not asking when you're on the date, is a must-have. You need to have it. I am I'm telling you. I have other people that will tell you, but this little PDF that will get sent to you if you subs- become a paying subscriber to the Sex is Great column and podcast, it gets sent to you. It's behind, it's in a folder, whatever. It's in the column. You know what I'm saying? It's there, but you can download the PDF. It goes into your iBooks on your phone, and it is your new go-to resource. When you are out on a date, you can look at it before. You can pull it up while you're together. Or you could be like me, and you can be with your friends on the couch after a long day of hanging out and laughing, and you're like, let's just keep going. What about this? And asking questions and just having so much fun learning about each other and ourselves and not repeating the same conversations, the same questions, because we get into loops, y'all. We just do. Most of us, I'm totally guilty of this, are not asking great questions. We're asking okay questions. This is a real skill set, asking great questions. And some of us just naturally don't have it. That's what this list is for. For people like me, maybe you, I'm not sure. The other people who have subscribed to get this list, they also were feeling what I was feeling. It's like, I just need, I just need something interesting to talk about. And they have gotten back to me. They're like, are you serious? This is so good it was worth more than I like really thought that you undersold this um I've had people say to me repeatedly wow that's a really good question like let me think on that um yeah it's it's been on and on and on you I don't want to sit here and sell you on something so I'm going to stop now but I will just say one more time you want these questions They can be used on dates. They can be used at the dinner table. They can be used with friends on the couch. You want them. Trust me. And it's not going to cost you a lot. All you do is pay to subscribe. You can do monthly. You can do a year. Or you can do a founding member, which is give me as much money as you want. Um, I'll send you a picture of my toes if you do that. Okay, I was kidding, but not really. I would. Toes are valuable. (laughs) Pictures of toes are super valuable. But let's move on. I want today, I wanted today to um, tell you, (laughs) you know, it's no secret I've been dating and I've been dating in a way that I actually haven't done before, which is openly without any intentions of, I'm not like looking for the one, the joke has been, I'm just looking to have fun unless you're the one, then I want to have serious fun. I'm open to possibilities. But right now I've just been like, I want to meet people and go through this experience of dating and seeing what that is like. And it has been it has been fun so far. It has I've had some moments of this is uncomfortable, you know, those moments when you're like, oh, this, this isn't going to evolve into something else. And I feel it necessary to have an honest conversation about that or say something so that someone doesn't get let on. Or, um, feels that they've been ghosted, what have you. I don't want to do that stuff. So it's really 
been empowering because I've literally had to learn how to use my voice in a different way. And it's also been really positive. Um, I've met, I have so many new friends, which I value beyond, beyond most things, frankly. And, um, but yeah, so I've, I've, like, I've been on one single app, but I'm terrible about checking the app, because I'm always on Instagram. And as you know, I treat Instagram like a dating app, but I'm not like, actively pursuing people. But if I were to, that would be the spot. And I advise you all to do that. Um, I did meet somebody on Instagram, and I've pleasantly surprised. Um, I've gone out on these dates. Like I said, I've had conversations. I'm just doing the whole thing. And in the process of doing the thing, I would say, like I said, fun, refreshing, light. It's all been great. And then I had one of those experiences that I would call or refer to as rare. And by rare, I mean, I had one of those visceral chemical pheromone primitive body reactions to a person like the whole thing has caught me off guard. Now, if you've been listening to me, you have heard me joke about how I think scratch and sniff would be a very useful feature to have on dating apps, I would be way more uh, probably engaged on them because I can't just look at people and tell if I'm attracted to them like I need interaction and smell and sound I need the whole experience which happens when you go on dates and you meet somebody and it's like a switch goes off or it doesn't, right? So, um, but rarely, does, rarely for me is there this one switch where I'm like, oh my God, my stomach is like doing a somersault right now. What just happened? Like it's a visceral in my body. And I will tell you, I've been around fun, attractive people. I've been around some sexy people. I've been having a really good time. But that rare thing that happened And when I think about them, or when I get a text, like my face, my face like grins in a way that reminds me like, oh, I need to get Botox because this is like stretching real far and wide. And then the the real tell all, I'm going to be super honest. um, I feel almost like hard up, like pent up a little bit, like so much that I don't like my vibrator when I was like, "Mm, I'll just... I'll just take care of this like feeling that I have <laughs> this itch I need to scratch like I don't need him I can do this myself no I couldn't actually I my body's like no no nothing is going to solve this problem uh, without the the other person like you actually need to be in the same room it could be as simple as I just need to like breathe the same air as this person or watch them breathe or hear their voice like I don't even know if I need them to touch me probably but it's one of those feelings where it's like nothing is going to solve for this very real physical primitive it's chemistry right it's chemistry for me for you for my clients I'm like oh god we have just entered dangerous dangerous terrain I see what's happening like I am under the influence when I do see this person and they leave I'm like floating nothing nothing I'm like work what who cares (laughs) jobs please I don't nothing nothing matters nothing matters it's not a good place to be when you need to be responsible and this is a very common place that we find ourselves when we maybe have chemistry with someone and we like don't even know these people that's the other thing where I'm like 
I don't know this person. And yet I'm like, in my mind, (sighs) fixated. And it makes it makes me think about someone I dated actually last, well, I don't want to say, I don't know, last couple years. Um, neither of us was in a place to want more or make it serious. And right after me, he, or maybe while we were still just like casual, he met somebody awesome. I was like, like, I'm all about it. Um, but I can't help but laugh with him because it's just funny when like he and I were like, no, we don't really want anything serious. Let's just have fun. And it was fun. And then he met this person and this motherfucker has turned his life like upside down for this, for her. It's, and we laugh about it. Cause I'm like, I cannot believe you did that. Like, what were you thinking? And uh, I mean like major life changes. And I'm like, dude, come on. And he, you know, I'm, just a friendly reminder, reminder, you can choose love You've got to get your head straight. But today, today I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I totally get it. Like, it is, it's just chemistry. And I know it, you know it. But we have to be reminded that, like, we cannot turn our lives upside down. We, we, we do not just, you know, we have to, I had to get some advice somewhere. So I was like, who do I, who do I need to talk to? And I was like, oh, duh, me a couple years ago, I've got to look up this episode I did called crazy, stupid love about managing my mind and emotions, but also understanding what is going on with my mind and my emotions. Like, what is it that we're all experiencing? And I listened to it earlier today. And I was like, first of all, super proud that I've been using technical terms like digmatized and constructs since at least May of 2021, if not before then, but recorded evidence. That's solid. Um, But we go I go into this detail about the hard wiring in our brain and the reason that we we will shift into this like drive and feel the way that we do now we need to like logically and intellectually we need to know these things so that when it's happening we can have a grasp I also give some really great prescriptive advice prescriptive advice that we can all use when we are feeling the feels and I mean come on it's spring y'all sex is in the air I I know you smell it I, I can feel it and we need to keep it together I mean, don't get me wrong, have the sex, be super safe, follow the feelings, but don't lose yourself or your mind. Okay, so listen to this episode, you're going to tune in, you're going to turn on, it's crazy, stupid love, it's going to give you all the juicy advice you need. And then if you want, come back to the comment section, tell me what you learned, tell me where you want to push back. I'm always down for some good pushback. I could probably update it knowing what I know now things, you know, I've a little bit of a different somatic experience than just the hardwiring brain one. I could, I could speak to that. So if you want to, let's do it. In the meantime, though, you have to listen. No, no arguing or playing devil's advocate unless you fully listen. You got to be prepared because I'm all I'm always down for a good debate. Okay, until next time. Today, we are talking about love, your brain, and emotions, but not just any kind of love. I'm talking about that digmatized, that construct kind of love that makes you feel crazy and out of sorts. That love that when you talk about it, it's followed by, I don't even recognize myself. The kind of love that makes you want to lick armpits, that makes you believe every love song ever written was about you 
and how are you going to live without them kind of love? Oh, I know you know what I'm talking about because there's this collective belief that love is not in our control, that we can't choose who we find ourselves attracted to, that it's just happening to us. What are we going to do? Mm, I know this love so well. And if you're tuning in, I know you know it. I used to believe that if you weren't experiencing these types of emotions at like a fever pitch rate, that the relationship was missing that je ne sais quoi that qualified it as forever potential. I dated this guy once, and I mean, that motherfucker had this car with an engine. Because yeah, sure, all cars have engines, but this one had this kind of one that like, I would hear it coming down the street, and I would start trembling. It was as if he was, it was like I was sitting on that engine and I, things, the primitive response was unreal. He would literally lick the back of my knees. And because this podcast is like almost PG, I will not tell you what happened, but it's exactly what you're thinking. It was like something had taken me over. Unfortunately, this passion fueled the other side of the spectrum. The way we loved was the way we fought. Looking back at it, it was as if one was informing the other. Watching movies and listening to music or reading poetry has informed our culture that this is how relationships and finding love should be. The breaking up and the making up. That he's supposed to be chasing you and fighting for you and that it's supposed to hurt. That love hurts. Did you know that love, like real love, never hurts? People want to push back on this all the time. Like, well, what if someone dies? Because you love them, it hurts. Yes, this is true. Mm -hmm. But that's called grief, my friends. And we're not talking about that kind of love. We're talking about romantic love that we continue to seek despite how much pain we claim it causes us. Like, I want to understand why are we so inclined to do these things? Like, why are people so miserable dating and yet... You just keep on doing the same thing. I want to understand how we can become so determined to find the one that we lose sight of ourselves and turn our backs on our lives. I was listening to this conversation recently where Lisa Feldman Barrett, a neuroscientist, who I'll be referring to again shortly, says, if we can't explain why, we can explain what. Which kind of inspired me. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I can't say why. Like when I think about my work, your brain on dating, my brain, I find myself mining for answers. But more than not, I'm coming up short. Like, do I really think? I mean, since the beginning of time, no one has been able to like really solve for this crazy being in love, right? Like how the fuck am I supposed to figure out the answers? So rather than trying to find out the why, I'm going with what is happening. And then let's just see if we can add in like a little how-to or an approach for you renegades out there looking for love and all the wrong places. And I haven't done this yet, but I'm starting to think perhaps we pay attention and count how many times I use a sentence from a love song. <laughs> so far, two. Not sure if I do it again. Anyway, let's pay attention. Today we're going to teach and talk about how your brain is being hijacked. What is happening? And then I'm going to tell you how maybe you can hijack your brain being hijacked. And then you're like, who is doing the hijacking? And who fucking knows at this point? I get it. It's a lot. So listen, let's go deep. I picked up this book called Woman, an Intimate Geography and went straight to the chapter called Labor of Love. And the question is asked, why do we love? She's 
goes on like humans love because we're a reproductive species. We nurture our young, we thrive in numbers, we love to evolve. The author says, we love for posterity, protection to self, and to set self aside, to fend off boredom, mental calcification. We have reasons to love, but what is the means, the biomedical of the art? It's a good question, right? She goes on, by the way, it's like the same questions I'm asking, just in different words. So she says, to understand love, we must think again about aggression. For the pathways of love and aggression are linked neurologically, hormonally, and experientially. You see, renegades, the human brain is an organ of aggression. It's what gets that ass out of bed. It's where that sheer will and drive to go and to do the things you must to live the life you want comes from. That's the dopamine. I got to have that combined with the norepinephrine being stimulated and triggering your body's reactions. Renegades, love and aggression share these same pathways in your brain. This is that licking armpits kind of love I think we're all talking about, thinking about, deep down wanting. Anyway, they are linked, she says, neurologically, hormonally, and experientially. I know I said it twice, but I'm really trying to drive this one home. This is what makes you feel anxious and crazy. When you're scrolling that Instagram, you're dropping all your work when he invites you to lunch, texting her to make plans four days in a row, not making plans over the weekend in hopes that they'll ask you out, and then losing your shit when they text, hey, what's up, how was your weekend, or when you can't stop thinking about them. She writes this in this quote, love it. We want to fight with the lover for holding back and with ourselves for craving more. The feeling of love stimulates our sympathetic nervous system. You know, the good old fight or flight response. Oh, and here's another why answered for you. Want to know why we get obsessive and euphoric over love? Because the pleasure part of our brain is being stimulated the same way as when you consume cocaine and amphetamines. Hmm. It's said that romantic love could be the first human addiction. For those of you who love this feeling, who are a little bit addicted to it, and you don't like the things I'm saying or going to say, let me assure you that the high won't be any less just because you know what's going on. This awareness and observation, it's just kind of like when you drink alcohol or take drugs. Consider that. Just because you know all the things logically, like the effects that it's going to have on you, doesn't mean you feel it any less, right? If anything, having the pause and the consciousness to what is happening will actually open you up to experience and allow for you to feel it more fully and embody it. It's important to remember that it's no mistake we're made this way. We need the aggression and dopamine so we will be motivated to go after our person of interest. It's the evolutionary makeup. But this is all so useful, isn't it? And empowering to know that like this three pound organ named brain, named brain, named brain, start again, to know that this three pound organ named brain if not tamed, is going to take you on some rides when it comes to your love life. I believe by knowing what is happening chemically, you can access your rational thinking brain, your prefrontal cortex, and manage the process, even if only just a teeny tiny bit. It's important to know that just because it's wired to be this way doesn't mean we can't overcome it. 
As much as we love to tell the stories of the crazy shit we did and the passionate highs we rode, this type of love makes us feel anxious and humans long to feel soothed and comforted. We find meaning in our relationships that are deeply connected and last. Our bonds with our children, family members, and friends, you know the difference. So back to Lisa Feldman Barrett, the neuroscientist who's been studying the brain for over 20 years. She says and found that not a single brain on the planet, y'all, not a single brain on the planet has emotional circuitry or hard wiring. She says it may feel that your emotions are hardwired or they just trigger and happen to you, but they don't. You might believe that your brain is pre-wired with emotional circuits, that you're born with them, but in fact, you're not. No brain on this planet contains emotion circuits. So she asks the question, what are emotions really? They're guesses that your brain constructs in the moment where billions of brain cells are working together. You have more control over these guesses than you can imagine. Emotions, they are just built isn't that wild to think like your brain doesn't have emotions built into like you build them you build them into your brain as a way to react and respond to situations our brain is looking at the faces people make the way they sound with the text they sent what they did and you're guessing what it means and how it feels this is why a breakup or meeting someone new from one person to another varies like we don't all process these things the same Emotions aren't facts or a structured process that every human experiences the same way. You have your response system. You have built your own response system, even if unknowingly. For me, pain has always been devastating. Something that might be sad for someone or upsetting to someone else has been a devastating experience for me. It will take me out of my, like, if I decide and label something as sad, bad, not good, we're, we're done. I'm out of my days. I can't work. I can't, I can't not cry. It's one of those things. I've, I've always been this way until recently. Now I, now I kind of watch the tears and I'm like, this is just your body reacting the way it knows how we're going to get to that though. Because I've learned that pain doesn't have to be devastating by knowing how we are designed and understanding this neurological wiring, plus the hormones, plus having awareness around how I react to these things emotionally. I have, I've gained some authority over my experience. You know, I'm a big believer that our emotions are useful informers of what is going on, but I think we want to question the fuck out of them. Some of the emotions you are operating from are guesses that you've been making on repeat for a lifetime. You don't think that there are other options. I want to challenge us all to just maybe practice feeling the facts of a situation. Dating, parenting, friendships, it doesn't matter. I like to look at the story that I have in my mind and delete the thoughts and just feel the facts. I can't always stay there and my brain wants to go back to the thoughts and the feelings that tend to come with the patterned way that I'm used to thinking, but it is interesting to just step out of it, see the facts. It's also incredibly informative to step back and just watch how your body is reacting. By having this awareness, it's groundbreaking. Getting to decide how we want to think and feel is evolutionary. This is what separates the humans from the other species. We can move past our primitive animal ways of thinking 
into that prefrontal cortex and decide with purpose how we want to think and feel. Just because you react emotionally one way doesn't make it concrete for everything all the time for the rest of your life. Examine your emotional reactions reactions, and choose the ones you want. Ask yourself, what would I need to think to feel this way? And just start repeating it. You will feel like you're lying to yourself. It will feel messy. It will feel janky. It does take time. Personally, I aim to find and guide myself and my clients to a space and place where we can dial the emotions down. We want to minimize the wear and tear on our bodies and minds. Renegades, life is hard enough without letting our dating lives take us out. When I watch myself meet someone new or experience the beginning stages of dating, all the chemicals are bursting in my brain. Again, these are stressful chemicals. The only difference now is that I'm not under the illusion that this is the person, uh, go back. When I watch myself meet someone new or experience the beginning stages of dating, all the chemicals, start again. When I watch myself meet someone new or experience the beginning stages of dating, all the chemicals are bursting in my brain. The only difference is now that I'm not under the illusion that this person is making me feel them or that the situation is more unique than the last. It's what is happening chemically and hormonally in my brain based on how I'm thinking about the experience. I watch it, I bathe in it, I see how I want to react, and I try and wait to choose my responses when I'm not under the influence. I do want to say it's not just your thinking because you have so much subconsciously. So when I say thinking, you are thinking tens of thousands of thoughts and bringing in so much information from like the way that they're moving, what's familiar, scent. Uh, there's so much involved there. So it's not just those um, first layers of thoughts. I hope that makes sense. When you're up all night stalking somebody on Instagram, deep in the street, spinning stories, wondering if you're ever going to hear from him, them, you might want to stop and have a moment of awareness around what you are doing and why. Recognize, ah, yes, this is my brain being flooded by these hormones and stress because my primitive brain, which is a three pound chunk of aggression, believes this is important. It's functioning exactly how it's supposed to by releasing dopamine, which has me chasing him like goals, and it's triggering my adrenal glands, releasing cortisol and adrenaline. Totally normal. But can you drop an anchor where you are and breathe? Watch the thoughts. Identify how they make you feel. Breathe some more. Witness your desire, your want to have. Be there. It's possible to have a deep, passionate love and not feel powerlessness or crazy. We can acknowledge what is happening and then dial it down. You know, sometimes you want to ask, why am I in a hurry to lock this down? What do I think I'm going to find scrolling on my phone that I can't discover in person? You know, the thing is, guys, a major byproduct of being consumed and feeling crazy in love is that you're missing out on your life. You, the things you enjoy doing, your kids, your business. All that shit gets put on the back burner, and I want to offer you a friendly reminder that that's the unconditional, deep, meaningful shit that loves you back no matter what. Can't say that about all the people you're going to date. I understand the obstacles that you have to overcome to reach this place. It feels like you're going against the grain as a woman to not put finding a man first. What I want to recommend to you is that if you are dating, you get really fucking good with life on your own. My favorite words, self-partnered. I want to offer that you learn to love yourself so hard and the people around you. 
that you stop banging your head against your screens distracted and consumed. I want to tell you that not only are you going to end up meeting the person you want to spend your life with eventually, but you're probably going to meet several other wonderful lovers along the way and enjoy them and evolve. So let's just be mindful of what's happening in the brain when we're feeling crazy. Let's be mindful of the thoughts that we're thinking. Let's be mindful that these emotions we're feeling, they don't they are maybe possibly optional. Let's learn to lose ourselves in our moments, not in the man. All right.